if Maury supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. Blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Blah blah blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. She handled it in a way that just kind of blew me away, uh, but I didn't handle it so well. Internally, man, I was going through a tremendous amount of guilt and depression yeah. and things. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America Show. We are going to be chatting with friend of the show, Brandon Powell, a little bit later. Um, of course, we met Brandon at our CAC event down in Colorado, Pagosa Springs, which we'll also be talking about a little bit later. Uh, our next CAC event, of which Brandon will be at again. Because Brandon's a fantastic guy, currently going down the Grand America rabbit hole. I was talking to him just a couple days ago. He's oh, plowing through right. the back catalog, and a couple of episodes are resonating with him. We're looking forward to seeing him again in April. Like I say, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, before we get into that, we got... Uh, Graham Hoff Dunlop, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> hey, it's good. You're cold plunger, eh? Uh, well, I, well, I was a couple of years ago, but I haven't been doing it lately. Have you done? Long. Have you done the? Have you done the Cairo thing yet? Cryo. <laughs> <laughs> Cairo. So, are you trying to trick me? I've been a chiropractor. I went to the cryo, yes, and and there's one in Mission. At oh, I, I back to, to the chiropractor. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> and it's really good. You jump in that tank for three minutes and you feel super refreshed and pumped. It's in a tank? Yeah, you stand in a tank. You stand up and it, they close In the water? Are you in water? Are you in a fluid? <clears throat> Are you in like a... It's Yeah, it's it's liquid. Uh, it's dry ice or hydrogen or whatever. It's, you, well, why am I blanking? Are you touching it, it again now? your skin? Are you in a little suit or something? Uh, no, you're naked in there. Well... Just about naked. The testicles I think just I'm suck right up. Yeah, I was in the pool. <laughs> um, man, that seems crazy to me. It must be cold. Oh, yeah, Too cold. cold. Yeah. Now you just breathe through it. Think. Yeah. How long are you in for? Three minutes. Yeah, three minutes. Yeah. Goes no, by. How much fast. does that cost? Too much. Are you like freaking out? They do IV. They do vitamin IVs there too. You know, I was talking to my. My uh, they just go pay some money guy, and they just natural, dump some fucking my, shit into your veins. Yeah, my naturopath prolotherapy guy, he'll do NAD plus actually. He will do that. And he does a Myers Briggs cocktail, I think it's called. Myers Briggs, like the I personality no. type? <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. Myers something. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say these guys are cross pollinating. He'll do an ENFJ on you. Interesting. <laughs> right down the shirt. <laughs> uh,. I don't know. I'd be weirded out about going to strange places and getting. They're not sticks. strange places. They're doctors and stuff. They're, okay. they're qualified people. Okay. I mean, I'm sure they have. It's you know, not like you're going for twenty dollars and you're getting an IV of some crazy substance. I mean, it's you like one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. So so if it's as long as it costs <laughs> enough, it's fine. I could go buy bags bags of saline over at Shoppers, put I some food coloring yeah, in them, and I'll true, sell right? them out in the street. I haven't it. done it yet. 
So we could make I'd a like real, to though. We can make a real profesh looking website. What does that mean? Superblood.com. Superblood? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so. blessed it. Just kidding. But that's what I'm saying. This is But like, I should start the cold. This is what again. you could be up against when you go and let people transfuse things into you. Yeah. With no regulation. But I'm telling you, Are the breathing is super relaxing. The breathing? Yeah, I like the breathing. I just have uh, trouble committing to things like that. I don't know what it is. <clears throat> I'm very disciplined in some regards, but yeah. not in fucking breathing like a maniac. For yeah, I am. Uh, I get my nose is a bit stingy because it, it gets dry in there. Like this morning, I woke up bleeding nose this morning for some reason. And so then my throat, so then I have to do the mouth and nose inhale at the same time to try and, you know. Mm -hmm. Fully in. Fully release. in. Release. Yeah. Chest, belly, chest, and head fully in. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. I can't wait to do it again. You know what I love about it? The breath hold is super relaxing. You can feel your whole body vibrating and the blood flowing. And then you exhale and inhale, and then I'm super blissed out and relaxed. Blissed out? And I don't remember feeling that before when I did it on my own until I started doing it with under Brandon's tutelage. Nice word. <clears throat> uh, yeah, like I say, I'm looking forward to doing it again. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, more like, like we should like actually we're do, do the, the cold the plunging there. What breathe? Help. Yeah, it would totally help. Wim Hof it before yeah. the show. Just lie yeah. on the floor out there. No, no, no. I, I sit. I don't. I don't lying down. I don't like doing it lying down. I sit. Why? I don't know. It just doesn't flow the same. I need the. I don't know. It should flow better lying down. I know you'd think, but it doesn't. Huh? Because maybe because my whole body's making contact to something, whereas when I'm sitting, it's uh, all jammed just a up. Straight, uh, a straight spine. Mm. The more you know. But like I said, I've been I'm interested to, to try the cold stuff. You've been trying okay. though, right? What? Also putting my tongue up. Ugh. To reach the pineal gland eventually. Well, at least the old lady be happy with that skill. Stretching out the tongue? Yeah. Um, are you doing it right now? You should watch that video. It's fucking <laughs> crazy, good. dude. The secret teachings of Jesus. So what the you, hidden teachings of Jesus. Are you serious? Jesus was a yogi. And he could lick his pineal gland? Mm-hmm. But get the nectar from the pineal gland down under your tongue? Out. It's like seven seven things, benefits of, of to get your tongue up there, reaching the 10th gate. So that's what they used to kill people for, cut them out and eat them. The pineal? Yeah. Really? I don't know. <laughs> it's what I was talking about in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Really? Yeah. I just forgot this, all about that part. It's like the super drug or whatever, you know? Is but it's interesting. These guys can do that. So they put their tongue up, up their nasal to the 10th gate. And there's an electrical thing that happens. They connect their spinal cord to their brain. I'd like to see. What, I'd like to know what Brandon thinks about this, actually. And it but does you, something about you're gonna closing fucking off choke the, yourself. Mm. Man. You better be careful. I'm to show you the pictures <laughs> of it. Yeah, and then so eventually it gets up to the top. Uh, like some people dude, can feel. It. Some people can't feel it, right? But I can concerned. feel my nasal pass right when I go. So if you like jam it back there, you can not be able to breathe. No, you can breathe through your nose still. But it changes the the way you breathe. It shuts off some electricity. Maybe that'll so make you better at the didgeridoo. Ah, forget the didgeridoo. Never can do that. <clears throat> but you can get the circular. So, but imagine Just if you can get your tongue up keep that pocket, far. Keep a pocket knife on and you, you. And you in start, case you have to give yourself a, a fucking tracheotomy. Oh and you know what it is? It's the holy grail. I want to ask Randall about this. 
the holy grail is the spot where the pineal gland sits in there and that's where the, the nectar drips from. But you're not supposed to touch it. No, you touch the lick, it comes off onto your tongue. But you're not supposed to touch the holy grail. You don't have to, it just drips from the holy grail into your tongue. What happens if you touch it? And then you're transported to the other dimension. If you touch it? Because you just choked yourself blocking <laughs> off your throat with your tongue? I'll show you after the pictures. No, stuff, I'm good, man. It's pretty good. No, it's, no. All, it's all laid no, out in diagrams and pictures and I'm stuff. Good. I'd like to know if any of the listeners have heard about this. Are any of the listeners currently trying to stick their tongues up their throat into their nose? Well, the throat would be down here. That's your nasal passage. Nasal passage, yeah. You know, all the cocaine might be easier. I know. I might have got rid of a whole bunch up there. Might be That might be why I can feel it there. <laughs> When, the time, when it comes time for my tongue to go left or right, it, there's just... There's just tons of room. <laughs> Anywho, what else you got? Oh, man, I got a cool synchro. I got some quotes. Ooh, let's do uh, some synchronicity. I oh, no, let's do the quotes first. I'm not ready for the quotes. All right, I get ready quicker than you can, so... It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. <laughs> are, you, are you reading the troll room? Actually, Brandon. Brandon? Brandon, the uh, our watcher. Oh, okay. I thought you meant Brandon. Says, if it's constantly dripping, where is it going? <laughs> It's not constant dripping. <laughs> Until it, the tongue gets there, it senses it. Oh my God. It's the electrical impulse from the tongue that gets it going. It's, it's your tongue. You can get it going. Tongue it's not get just things dripping. Going. Your pineal glands is not always dripping. Good to know. Unless you're dreaming. Maybe it does during the night. If you do know where to get temporary tattoos made, let us know. We've got a grammar escape. Actually, I'll wait till it gets here to give the shout out. Okay, let's hear the quote. Oh, the quote, yeah. Shouldn't it be the other book this time? Uh, no, I got another one from this All book right. too. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought I did. So this is again from the... Oh, this is a good one. I don't know if Brandon will like this or not. From the Octopus of Global Control. Tavistock is not a music festival. The Tavistock Institute of Human Relations was set up in London in 1921 to study the breaking point of humans. Kurt Lewin, a German psychologist, became the director of the Tavistock Institute in 1932. Ooh. About the same time Nazi Germany was increasing its research into neuropsychology, parapsychology, and multi-generational occultism. Multi-generational? Yeah. Interestingly, a progressive exchange of scientific ideas was taking place between England and Germany, most notably in the field of eugenics. The movement devoted to improving the human species through the control of hereditary factors in mating. Mm. Under. That's from uh, Thanks for the Memories by Bryce Taylor. Are you going to go to the other book for the next quote? Uh, yep. That's, I that's, find it's a little brighter. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that is the octopus of global control. So yeah. it gets a little dark. Tends to get dark from some time. Octopus blocks out all the light. Okay, let's see what this one's like here. Unless there's a giant conspiracy involving some 30 university departments all over the world and several hundred highly respected scientists in various fields, many of them originally hostile to the claims of psychical researchers, the only conclusion the unbiased observer can come to must be that there does exist a small number of people who obtain knowledge existing in other people's minds or in the outer world by means of yet an unknown science. Or unknown to science, I should say. David Wilcox. No. <laughs> that was Professor H.J. Eisenick, chairman of the psychology department at the University of London from 1957. So this is like, this is why I love these quotes, because a lot of them are old, and it shows that some people have been, you know, they've had their finger on the pulse of this shit a long time ago. Like, we think that, oh, you know, there's only the science you know, has been settled on extended consciousness over the last couple of years. This guy's going back to 57 saying there's tons of it. Listen, Napoleon Hill told you the secrets of the universe in 1937, and I'm sure he copied them from somewhere. And Florence Scovel Shin. That was 25. Told you that in 1925 in her book, The, the, the Game of Life and How to Play It. There you have it. Before Napoleon. I wonder if Napoleon got his stuff from Florence. I wonder if the, when, when did, uh, when did the wealth of nations come out? I wonder. Because oh, you want me to look it up? No, I can look no, it up. no. We're testing. I'm testing the system. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> you just can't resist, can you? Um, because I think that's a. I, I don't know exactly what. I mean, that might be more economics based. That's what I think. Yeah, might be more like actual business, business and economics. More like. Um, logistical stuff more so than metaphysical anyway you control reality folks don't fuck it up it's stuck in that rut the other thing i was thinking of in terms of uh, i was talking to my my oh, buddy boy. my buddy brady who's who actually told me about this uh video about the pineal gland and jesus a lot and there's a way where <clears throat> i think there's some people march 1776 wow I forget what no, the question was. Oh my God, that's, that's 1776. <laughs> that's when the U.S. was yeah, formed. came out right before that. That's weird. Hmm. It's a good year. There's a way to uh, to breathe that expands your your chakra system and gets that your your chi from your base chakra to your third eye. By licking your pineal gland. No, no, no. Are we People back to combining that? the 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 Wim Hof breathing with. Like okay. your body's just it's got this like suction from the back and the bottom and you can breathe like moving up and down and it sucks your breath and your chi up from your base chakra. Can you show me that again? Your kundalini. No, not. The, <laughs> One more time? No. Now when I have the camera ready? It was 1776. When was the USA formed? <sighs> 1776. What's your point? The chances the book comes out right before the, the same year that the wealthiest nation on earth is formed. I know. That's what I mean. It's crazy, eh? Yes. It's wild. It's a synchro. 
Uh, what do you got? I got an email. I got nothing. An email synchro. This is a good one. This is a synchro chain. It's a little long, but uh, this is interesting here. Is this a raider? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, probably. It's been a while since I've read it, so. Okay, guys, I've been listening to your show on and off for years, but until a few days ago, really just focused on Crow 777, Higher Side Chats, and Freeman TV. Honestly, it was the intro. Freeman that- TV. Free- what? Freeman TV, yeah. You said it weird. Freeman TV. Okay. Yeah, I know. Honestly, it was the intros that turned me off from you guys, but now I find great. You guys are hilarious and have a perfect chemistry that blends serious with lighthearted humor, belief and skepticism, and Darren just being a personality I can't help but hate to love. I plan on trying to help out financially because of the damn value for value guilt trip, but I just, but I did just buy me my very own don't shoot Bigfoot shirt. So I hope you guys get a respectable cut of that. Three bucks. Grimerica.ca slash swag. It's only a couple bucks we get, but it helps. Everything helps. And there's lots of good designs in there. But anyway, I've got a job that allows me to listen to podcasts nonstop and is in the middle of nowhere in central Oklahoma. Submit our 35, shirts. 35 miles, 30 miles south of OKC or so. So being able to download the podcast beforehand really helps out. But I've started, oh, this is, I remember this now. This is just oh, a boy. bit fucking creepy. What? <clears throat> yeah, this is awesome. But I started listening from the latest episode going backwards. Pissed I missed CAC. Fucking love Utah. Magical place. Anyways, CAC was in Colorado, but it was close. We drove through Utah. Yeah, it was close to Utah. Next, the next CAC's in Utah. Next CAC's in Utah. Synchronistically enough. Magical. And we're going to do a magic Contact cack. at thecabin.com. We're going to do a magic CAC. Don't start today. talking about the next CAC till this CAC's 75%. Okay, okay, okay. So he says, uh, but he skipped ahead to Seth Breedlove. Ooh. Maybe we could remix the 50 cents. I got the magic cack. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know your hip hop. No, well I don't enough. know. I don't know what song you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> this is like Monty Python to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he skipped to Seth Breedlove. Typical and that was white like, guy. And that was, Mont- Ma- Ma- that was Monster. That was... Well, I mean, typical, not the typical you know. old white dude doesn't know his hip hop. Yeah, it's disgusting. You forgot the privilege. I don't see a lot of privilege. <laughs> too short for that. Right? <laughs> too short. Seth Breedlove was the small town monsters, right? Yeah, that was great. So he says, uh, last night while I was on call and out till midnight working and listening to him talk about the Bigfoot encounters in the Colchina Mountains, which I've never been to despite living in Oklahoma, off and on for most of my 34 years. But for some reason this morning, I decided not to finish the Breedlove episode and check to see what the latest Freeman episode was. And for some reason, it was an old episode with Tracy Twyman talking about communicating with demons. But it was dated as a new show. Well, I listened to it anyways because I love Tracy and was very interested in magic. But suddenly, for a reason I can't figure out, my phone started playing music on its own. And the first song was Falling Slowly, which creeped me out for some reason. Just seemed ominous. I figured I accidentally pocket played the shit, so I turned it off and went back to the podcast talking about demons. And the next thing I know, a creepy Kid Cuddy song I've not heard starts playing called The Guide off his album, Passion Plane and Demon Slaying. 
So my creep factor went up big time. I know I didn't accidentally put the music on and the random selection of the song was too much. So I quit the iTunes app. Sometimes I have to do this with the iTunes. It fucking drives me nuts. I have to double click and then click the iTunes app off because it's playing the music instead. I don't use iTunes. Good for you. And he went back to listening to the podcast about demons and almost immediately the song Red Rum by Project Pat started playing, which sent me over the edge. Hey, you know, if you say bit shoot in an episode, you don't get recommended? Yep. Oops. I know that. Sorry, Brandon. Hmm. Now this episode's not going to get recommended. We probably don't get recommended anyway. Right, We're no. probably on the master, master not recommendation list. That's all right. We're heading over to, uh, what's that thing called? I forget. Do you want me to go look it up? <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. I can find it pretty quick. Okay, let's check it. Let's see if I can find it pretty quick. It's in my notes from our upcoming episode with Rizwan Verk, who started his own. He's actually part of the original founding of Discord. That's right. And Discord's going to be able to take cryptocurrency soon. That's right. Hopefully not Libra from Facebook. No Libra. But he's also got a, uh, it's like a, it's like a YouTube sort of thing for the paranormal. And I'm looking for the name of it, and it's called Bitmovio. So bit bitmov-io. That's right. Yeah. And we're going to be on there soon. Yeah. He's invited like, us over. I don't think he needed to invite us. We probably could have just signed up. But. Oh, probably. But anyway, we're heading over. It's nice that the, the owner invited us over. Feels like we're special. So we're going to run with the special feeling, the fuzzy feeling, and go try it out here in a, in a, over the next few weeks. It'll just be another place we try streaming to. And uh, you know what else makes us feel warm and fuzzy? When you head over to grimerica.ca slash support and you sign up for a monthly. Uh, I'm not finished the email yet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the whole. <laughs> Forgetting into the, the support spiel. The I mean, segue can, can, king. Can, I, can't, I can't just leave a good segue hanging there. Okay, keep All right. going. No, 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 no. Finish your thing. <laughs> I just felt like you <laughs> I kind of forgot where we were at there. <laughs> it's the short-term memory thing. It's okay. The automatic, you know, that's good. They, at least your your automatic like go to thing is the support spiel. I appreciate that. <laughs> Someone's got to make. Yeah, I know. So he said that started playing, which sent him over the edge. Look into the conspiracy about Memphis rap sigils, demonic shit. So I said fuck this and decided to go back to your show with Seth on my work phone, and threw my personal phone on the dashboard. And I pick up at the point of him talking about the Bray Beast and occult practices in the area and decided, yeah, Graham might think this is synchronic. And then the story about the lady driving with her daughter in an area she wasn't supposed to be driving and suddenly felt like she needed to turn around and saw the UFO above her. And I was like, holy shit, that happened to me and my wife looking for the Roswell crash site back when we lived in New Mexico and decided on a whim to go out there. But we couldn't find shit and just kept driving down the darkest road ever eventually up a mountain until we both felt like we needed to get the fuck out there. And we started down and heading back the way we came. Notice we were being followed by a cloud that was blacker than black until we reached a point where it stopped on a dime and we continued. I had many sightings in New Mexico, by the way, most of them being the same matte silver yet reflective sphere that would be at various altitudes that I would just randomly have the urge to look up and there it would be. Oh, and back on the synchros. One of you guys asked Seth about Cain being the first Bigfoot. 
The Tracy Twyman shit was all about her talking to Kane in hell. And when I thought I should write this, I looked at my clock and it was 7.49 a.m. 7 plus 4 equals 11 and 9 plus 9 slash 11. Very conspicuous. LOL. Either way, love you guys now. Can't wait for the next CAC. I promise I propose an Oklahoma location because there are some Sasquatchy ass locations that could be sick. And a question for you guys that requires your adult brain. What do you think of Crow's 777 lunar wave footage? Belief is the enemy of knowing. Much love opens hearts and minds. Ryan Tosado. First of all, I'd like to apologize to David Weiss for my behavior on the Flat Earth episode. Wow. Second of all, what's that? What's I'm going not on? sold. What's that? What's going on with the apology? I don't know if I formally apologize yet. Why are you doing that now? Well, I don't know. Just because you want to own your part of it? That's right. And that's pretty good. Well, I admitted that he triggered me multiple yeah, times. Yeah. That's so now, now it's over. Yeah. And now you're like. He can't come back on the show, but I apologize. I don't know if he'll catch wind or not. I'm sure there's enough flatties out there that I'm sure he'll catch wind. All right. Um, so well, what else was I talking about? You've sidetracked me. About Crow's triple seven seven. Oh stuff? yeah, uh, remember we did the show. We had the. I know. We yeah, had the I explained all that, that, but apparently it's still going on from all over the place. So, you know, and, and what I like about Crow's work is the is the HD uh, UFOs that he talked about the matte silver UFO balls flying around in the chemtrails and the clouds. That was pretty good footage. I don't know if Crow listens to the show, and honestly, I'm not gonna. I don't want to. I don't. It, I'm not sold. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'm not sold. Well, we did. I told him about how we had that guy on to debunk it. We had him on to debunk it and the, the jet stream stuff. I mean, I don't know if that fits in every time, but it seems to. But it was more, it, that's not what turned me off of it. It was more other things that if if someone wants to email me about, I could get more into, but I'm definitely not going to talk about it on the show. Okay. But it was other uh, patterns that just oh. made me think that, I, you know. Maybe I threw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe, yeah, probably. Yeah. Happens from time to time. Yeah. That's hard. Maybe you weren't using your adult brain. I, that happens too, <laughs> multiple times. I mean, I can think of at least a dozen times over the course of the podcast that I was not using my adult brain. Mostly in the beginning when I was drinking, yeah. drinking on the show. Oh, the, oh, my God, you were drinking. I was <laughs> drunk on your Grand Cameron episode. Oh, my sure. God, yeah. I bet you interrupted That's why there was so much cussing. Did you interrupt a lot? That's not why there's cussing. You cuss at work <laughs> big time. The other day you said fucking in three, three times in the same sentence. And I was going to be like, oh, this is just, he's never going to get over this if he's doing this at work all day long. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I thought I was getting better. I've been told I'm oh, getting better. On the show you are, yeah. yeah. It just worries me when I hear it in other parts of your life. I just need... Uh... I'm pretty good at not sitting in front of the kids for the most part, but it still happens. Just pretend your kids are listening to the show. They probably will be one day. Yeah. They'll go through the back catalog. One day catalog. soon, yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard to stop swearing, man. I know. Especially when we're working construction. We're going on another show in five so, minutes, and you got to can't, can't swear. swear. So. so I worked the first half of my career in the gold mine, and then I went construction. Yeah. I was doing. I know it's. I know it's tough. And as an alcoholic, a lot of time, a lot of swearing in the party scene. I know. You're I doing good though. Yeah. Fuck yeah! 
Uh, where were we? Support the show. Grabamerica.ca slash support. Uh, we really need it. Honestly. Because? It because. Keeps the lights on. Because we're, uh, you know, we go to business. We'd be out of business without pays support. Pays the rent. It literally pays the, pays the rent. Literally pays the rent. And we're literally at the point where I'm watching to make sure we're going to have enough money at the end of the month to pay the rent. That's the real thing. Um, the rent's only 500 bucks, too. So that's right. Rent. Yeah. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. Like I said, uh, you know, we're, we've got, we don't have a lot of supporters. People think maybe there's 1,000 supporters. There's not. There's, like, you know, less than 500. And uh, it's time to step that up little bit we're trying to move this thing in a positive direction and we need your help to do it support. we've been throwing some more value at you i think there was 10 shows in june and a bunch of shows in july holy shit grimerica coming out of your ears all that value throw some value back support. then pow more value black budget show the value just don't stop join the chats too that's valuable too it's free you can do that for free slash chats Bunch of cool cats in there. Head over there. Ryan from Kansas will get you sorted out. Uh, anything else? We should probably wrap no, this just, up. Just uh, send your stories and your emails and your spam feedback. Graham, to Graham's Graham. out of spam. Graham at GrahamAmerica.com. Oh, CAC. And CAC. We talked about it a little bit, but there's CAC coming up in April 2019. We're doing contact no, at 2020. the cabin. 2020. Next this event. is CAC 2020. Yeah, we're not going back in time. Head over to contact at the cabin.com, guys. Uh, you can over to grimeamerica.ca, you'll see the CAC 2020 or CAC events, whatever it says. Anyway, there's a button there on the website or head to contact at thecabin.com. Uh, that'll give you all the info on actually, well, Brandon, here, our buddy Brandon Powell, who's doing the breath work. We're going to go down to Duck Creek, Utah. Got a couple places rented there that share a backyard, big house, a couple big houses. We're going to have some camping. Uh, we're going to do some presentations. We're going to have some bands. We're going to head out to Bryce Canyon one night. Check out the stars with Dave Matheson. Uh, we're going to head out to Zion Canyon another night. Check out the stars with Dave Matheson. So we're talking about two of the top uh, star viewing places on the planet with one of the top star mythology people, astrotheologists on the planet. Dave's going to blow your mind and tell you how they stole our history from us and snuck it all. They've been fucking us over for years. And then by day, we're going to go full Wim Hof method. Yeah, we're gonna jump in some cold water with Brandon. Yeah, the at the first first one we did just breathing. Now this time we're gonna step it up. We're gonna get some pools, a whack of ice, fill them up, and we're gonna do a full full training, a full training session, just like you would uh, do if you were taking a course. Right on. That'll be fun. It'll be a blast. And then of course we'll like see you five a little bit. We'll get we'll see some UFOs. I'm yeah. sure. Of course we'll also get you there and back from Vegas if you need it. And we're gonna give you all your meals while you're there, and uh, you just show up. You show up. We'll do the rest. Contact at thecabin.com. Just so you know, as of today, there is one campsite left and one private room left. What? Other than that, it's pretty wide open, but the campsites and the private rooms went quick. Oh, that's, oh, I see. There's other stuff besides the private room. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's still lots of other accommodations left. Yeah. But the camping option and the private room option will probably be down in a couple weeks. So if you want a private room, go now. If you want a camp spot, go now. Because I would say by this time next week, there'll be none of those left. Uh, the magic from last time is carrying on to this time. Uh, so head over there. Contact at thecabin.com. Grimerica.ca slash support. Sign people up for the newsletter. Grimerica.ca slash news. Spam Graham. Do all the shit in the show notes. Review the show. Share the show. Most of all, you gotta enjoy the chat with friend of the show, Brandon Powell.
All right, we've got Brandon Powell with us. Fortunately, we met Brandon when we were in uh, Colorado for 10 days, and we did some breathing with him. He's a professional Brazilian jiu-jitsu and <laughs> self-defense and functional fitness coach, and he owns and operates a dojo in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he became certified in the Wim Hof breathing method with the first group of U.S. instructors learning directly from Wim. And I think he's a teach-the-teacher kind of guy, too. We were just talking about some of that stuff. Welcome uh, to Grand America, Brandon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it was great. I, I was thinking about it today that I, I'm glad we waited to have you on uh, after we met you and, and had a chance to breathe with you for, you know, like a week straight because it sort of brings more life to to the whole experience. And I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I've done the method a little bit on my own in the past, like the past few years I've been playing around a little bit, but it, there's nothing like uh, doing it with you on the drums and leading the way. So really, it was really great to meet you there. Well, I appreciate that, man. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where you need the direct experience to get a sense of it all, um, because you know it's 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 pretty crazy to um, to think like after you know what its effects are, the potentials of just doing heavy breathing, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, when we do the the breathing in the particular way that we do it uh, with the Wim Hof method, it is something, again, that you just have to feel. And Wim always says feeling is knowing. And, um, you know, so getting that direct link to it gives you this, um, you know, uh, understanding that there's, there's something there to it, you know, yeah. uh, especially just in, in, and you can get it immediately, right. First session, you know, so well, I've been doing cool. it, I've been doing it ever since, uh, the, the, the trip as well at home, not every day, but, but I've done it quite a few times and I love the, re the relaxing, like it feels really relaxing to me once I'm like, when I'm in, even when I'm in the breath hold at the end and then afterwards, I'm just so relaxed. It really, I really feel it in the body. Like can, it's almost like a, a bliss in a way. Yeah. I think it's because of, you know, we're tapping uh, into specific aspects of the brain that control our our pain relief and our, you know, like you said, our bliss, our states of, of, of awe, um, we are essentially connecting into, you know, endogenous opioids, endogenous cannabinoids. And this gives a, a, a very uh, long lasting feel of, a, of, you know, a natural high. You know, the um, the sense, uh, well, we always joke the, you know, get high on your own supply. Hmm. And because, uh, you know, or everybody's holding, you know what I mean? Because we're tapping into um, this, you know, it's like a chemistry that's bringing all kinds of things into it. I think you could, you know, for a better term, maybe even call it like an endowaska, you know, where we're tapping into, uh, you know, potentially even DMT um, because we know that DMT uh, is primarily produced in the lungs. Oh. And so, um, you know, within our, within our own system. So endogenously, again, it's produced in the lungs, potentially in some other areas as well. You know, yeah. um, everybody would like to link it to the pineal yeah. gland and so forth, yeah. um, you know, so that, but, but 
it is for sure, um, I believe, present within, um, you know, brief glimpses of the breath hold. Um, you know, you can really get a sense of the, the like the DMT, you know, um, so. So it wasn't just me. Then. So that's what's really happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's I think, you know, well, it's part of what <clears throat> allows us to enter into highly stressful situations with uh, a, a calm, relaxed um, perspective. You know, so whether you're entering the cold, for instance, like, yep. you know, obviously one of the things that drew me to the Wim Hof method was uh, was Wim Hof. <laughs> and so when I saw him uh, and all of these sort of, you know, intense situations, uh, setting world records, doing various things, um, you know, it, it, I didn't fully grasp it as much until I actually met him and could watch him transition through various environments without much change at all in his demeanor, if any change at all. Right. In other words, he could be inside playing his guitar, singing, and then he could be out in freezing cold water, and he was exactly the same. He didn't ever even seem like he went through any kind of transition. Wow, yeah. yeah. That, you know, yeah, and, yeah. So, and so I realized that this was um, the intent and the will and 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 truthfully man i think it's it's that and love it's these things all coming together inside him that propel him to be able to uh enter into these particular mental states that allow him you know to suppress the stress in whatever given situation it is running in the hottest desert climbing uh the coldest mountain with with very little clothes on you know this type yeah 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 i mean we'll talk about the process a little bit as well and we'll talk a little bit about the the scientific benefits of it and maybe you know later on a little bit about the shamanism that we talked about earlier and but, I, but I, did at wanna, the end. I was thinking, yeah, <laughs> can we do it live on the show as long as, you know, <laughs> no. we, we can talk a little bit about, about the, I mean, it was really special the way you, you led the thing with the drumming and, and the, you know, I want to get an audio, audio, a better audio tape of, of that just to follow on my own. So I'm not just doing it by myself um, in my home, but, but I, I want to talk a little bit more about how you got interested like you you obviously like you said you you found out about whim and you met him and that kind of you know you didn't enter into this you know planning on being a trainer and a teacher of this but that's inevitably where it led you want to talk a little bit more about that process or absolutely man um with well the reason specifically that i got into the wim hof method was because i was at a sort of a, a place in my life where i felt like um, I needed something like that. It, it was weird. It wasn't, it's, it's kind of weird. It wasn't like I was necessarily looking for it, but when I saw, um, well, first I heard, uh, uh, like whispers of, of Wim Hof through various channels, you know, th different people talking about him. And I heard him mentioned as like, if you really want to understand breath work, uh, and maybe cold training, which I didn't have any idea really what that was at the time. It, it, he, they were saying, you know, check out this Wim Hof guy. And right about that time, the Vice doc documentary had come out. And so I checked him out and I jumped 
into a, uh, an online course that he was offering. And all of this was done because I was just going through um, a, a, like kind of like a major crisis in my life, man, where I felt very uh, out of control. Um, you know, I was essentially, I had just started a business. Um, I, I own and operate a jujitsu academy, um, and fitness academy, martial arts and so forth. We have all kinds of stuff that we're doing in there, but we, um, I just started that business and right at the same time, my wife got pregnant with our first child and, um, and all of that was all great, beautiful. Um, and we, um, had, uh, a, a few dogs and we had a, a, a situation where, um, one of the dogs that we were raising, um, started to display some really bad, um, tendencies. And <clears throat> he was a very powerful dog, an American bulldog. This is the, these are the types of dogs that I kept. And the, um, situation occurred where he, uh, attacked my wife, and um this happened uh at a time where like i said we had all this going on and he bit her in the leg and it set off um a whole it, it just it really altered the way that we were living our lives at that point in time because she could no longer walk for about a month um she was having to have her leg heal up and it was a traumatic situation luckily my wife is um tough as as they come and she handled it in a way that you know um just kind of blew me away uh but i didn't handle it so well internally man i was going through a tremendous amount of guilt and depression yeah. and things where um i felt like i had um it, it's a deeper story with these dogs these dogs um uh were huge parts of my life they were like my children before my children and and um they uh i've done all kinds of stuff with my dogs in raising my dogs everything from um you know uh essentially just all different types of training with the animals so we, i was very close to them and we thought that we had really good animals and so this was like out of the blue yeah it must have felt and like a betrayal you know it, it, it was man and and then everything everybody looks back at at me like it's kind of like my fault which i was feeling yeah <laughs> you know what i mean so so at least even though people you know assured me they didn't feel that way uh it, it just it just it wasn't going away man and 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 it was like this this um i just think that i was locked into a fight or flight uh response system where i just always felt on edge and i couldn't i couldn't get out of that situation and i was feeling burned out and there was these things happening where I just couldn't, you know, uh, essentially I was, I was suffering from PTSD uh, because, you know, I was, when this whole thing happened, I initially thought that the dog had grabbed my child and I was in one area of the house and I was running to the other area trying to get there. And in my mind, the whole time he, I thought he had my child. So when I got there and and saw that it was my wife, it, there was no comfort in that, but essentially at least she, I knew she could handle herself a lot better. And so there was just this whole melee. And essentially I was, you know, I went through this process, man, where I was having a very hard time coming out of that. And 
So come along, or the Wim Hof method kind of comes along in this way. And I didn't expect it really to, you know, I wasn't expecting the impact of it so much so. Uh, but I swear, man, it was the cold water. Mm. The first time that I ever got in the cold, it really... It, it immediately, I mean, I had practiced the breath work a good bit um, uh, for maybe a, a few days um, prior to actually my first real cold experience. But once I really got into the cold, I felt the reset of my nervous system. I actually experienced a powerful reset where I went from this sort of you know, this really intense, what we call sympathetic response, you know, the sympathetic nervous system, uh, you have two parts of your nervous system, the sympathetic and parasympathetic, right? And the, the idea is, is that the sympathetic is your fight and flight and the parasympathetic is like your rest and digest, you know, or some people call it the feed and breed, you know, and, and what that more or less means is that, you know, in these particular states this is where we perform the best at these certain tasks right so for me it was uh that i had been in the sympathetic state for a long time i get into the cold and after i found adaption which just came from me essentially doing exactly what wim said on the video i hadn't even met wim at this point it was just controlling my breath and I've been in a lot of stressful situations um, throughout my life, you know, whether we're talking about fighting or, or you know, various, uh, various predicaments that I put myself in. I felt a lot of stress before, so I knew, you know, where I was in that moment, and I was able to just calm myself down. And when I did, I entered into that state, and the rest is really history. At that point, it was like, this is the medicine. And I knew that we could, we could take control uh, of our, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, maybe. Um, and I don't, I don't claim this as a for everyone, but at least for me, I knew at that point I could take control of my depression. I could take control of my anxiety, and I could essentially center myself because I feel that the depression is linked to the past and the anxiety is linked to the future. And, and, and I wasn't in either one. I was just right in the center, in the moment with the cold breathing and feeling myself directly connected to that experience. And my body was actually just going, fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I am, you're in a good place. And so, and so I just started going back over and over and over again. I converted a, a deep chest freezer into a homemade ice bath. <laughs> and I just kept going back to the cold and back to the cold and meditating in it. And, and, you know, the cold only allows you so much time. So, you know, for me, it's all about like trying to cultivate that experience so I can last longer, meditate longer in that space, and then try to carry that consciously with me throughout the day. How you know? come, so that that's that's how I've utilized it, why I came to it. How oh. come you only get so much time? Well, because it's because it warms cold. up or you just get too cold. Well, you can only because it'll because so yeah, 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 it'll kill your ass. If you try to stay in there too long, unless you're, you know, unless I mean, you're Wim Hof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even Wim will tell you, man, there's a, there's a, you know, what Wim did that's so fascinating was that he didn't just 
submerge himself in the cold. He did it and maintained his core body temperature. So for almost two hours, um, not quite, but the Guinness book is right around there. He, he essentially, um, did, you know, the, the ice bath and didn't, they tracked his temperature and he, he never lost his core body temperature the whole time. Wow. So, you know, that's what's, that's what really gets fascinating. And this gets into, in my opinion, uh, the deeper aspects of, of knowing yourself and knowing a a potential that most people wouldn't even consider Mm -hmm. and that we have lost uh, along the way um, abilities that are our birthright. Like evolutionary yeah, abilities. Reminds me of reminds me of the monks in the mountains, like the the tales of the monks melting, uh, well, you know, melting the ice around them, or you know, controlling their well, body even temperature, trying or hard, yeah. stones or whatever. Even they're that, trying hard, though. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it was like somehow, like, how hard do you think like a chameleon has to try to change colors? Or I'm trying to think, think of another are, example, how, how but hard like, is it for an elect- how hard is it for an electric eel to utilize its electricity? Yeah, you know, and yeah, and it doesn't have to do a bunch that. of breathing and stuff, right? It's just like so. It's like there was a time in evolution when when it got cold and we just naturally like you turned up, and when it got hot, we turned down. You know, it was just like an innate thing when we had less distractions. Is that like or something we've evolved past? Our brain is just past that, so we need to do that to tap back into it. Well, I. You know, this opens up a, a whole lot of questions. Um, you know, is it that our current culture uh, desires and craves comfort, and that the that you know seeking out the material, um, you know, essentially draws us away from these type of of, of you know, practices, if you will, because I mean, I I ultimately think that's what it is. I do believe that uh, there are things that are right on the surface that show us like breathing, for instance, breathing allows us um, the ability. It's, it's an, it's an autonomic, um, you know, process. We're going to breathe without thinking about it, but consciously we can control it. You know, there's other things like it, like that, you know, I mean, like on a primal level, um, you know, if you think about like something like sex, you know, this is something that is a process that's offered to us. Does it's not guaranteed by any stretch, but it's a process that's offered and, and, you know, and then it's potentials, right? Like, do you just, are, are we just, are we just mating? Are we just breeding or, you know, is, are we turning it into a fine art? Um, you know, so, I mean, I think that there are processes within us that are directly, um, applied to our connection with nature. And so when we get pulled away from the natural world, we have less need, 
to do those things. We, we seek comfort. When it gets cold, we look for the warmth. When it's warm, we look for the cold. We're always trying to find this perfect balance of temperature to be in so that we don't think about the environment so much, you know, so we're not really paying attention to it. And I think that that is something that has made us weaker. Well, we're all, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't have those challenges to keep us in the moment anymore. We're just, yeah, we're, we're fully domesticated. I mean, there's really no way around it compared. If you compare us to where we were at 10,000 years ago, or even like 7,000 years ago, or, you know, before that, who knows, but at least for most of our evolutionary history, I would argue that, you know, we were a lot, we were almost like more of a feral man, you know, kind of like, you know, it was a, you were in a group of probably a couple of hundred if you're lucky, and and you were grinding it out most of the time. And I think that I I, I like think if you took like the average guy from like eight thousand years ago or from like ten thousand years ago and just threw him in the octagon, you would just fuck people up. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I don't that, know. There could be there. There, there could be some truth. Well, he probably to that. wasn't I mean, depressed. I mean, he probably wasn't yeah. depressed because he, you know, he's looking for the warmth when it's cold, and he's looking for the cold when it's warm, and he's not worried about, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, things. I spend a lot of time working with fighters. Um, at one point, it was uh, it was much more my job. I was actually a primary uh, fight trainer. You know, and so I've, I've, I have worked. Um, I, I've also accomplished uh, um, and earned a um, second degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I have um, almost 20 years experience in Jiu Jitsu and um, and I've done other arts as well. So I've always been around this kind of idea that if you want to get good at something, you're going to have to eat some shit along the way. You know, uh, the old the old Chinese saying is you eat bitter to taste the fruit, you know, and I really feel that what you know, what you see with some people is almost to the opposite extreme, like, you know, they without the visceral experience that they feel like they're not living. Um, and, you know, I've seen martial arts do some really good things for some people who really needed it. And, um, you know, a way to channel uh, a, a destructive energy or, or just an energy that, that didn't have any direction, which I think can be destructive, you know? And so it, it is sort of like, I do think that we, there is a group of us or, or there is parts of us, you know, all of us, even the toughest guys that are still searching for some comfort, right? Um, still want a piece of the good life. And then you have the people, I mean, especially in prize fighting where, I mean, that's ultimately the goal, right? I'm willing to take the, the beaten uh, body in order to have something, um, you know, and I, feel like that's still mass confusion. Um, I think that when we're, and I, I, I kind of experienced this um, when I was younger a lot more because I used to spend a lot of time in the woods. Um, as a youngster, I, I spent a lot of time hunting. I grew up hunting. And it was um, a time that was like really not about the hunt but very much about like all of the stuff that went into the hunt and ultimately just being there present. And 
the idea of like um, just connecting in uh, to an experience where if you're not on your toes, you miss everything. Um, it, it really, again, it kind of centers you and makes you realize um, that we are not always meant to be in a sort of a prefrontal cortex uh, thinking what, where, when, why, how, but much more a sensory type of thing where you're listening, you're looking, your uh, feeling changes in the wind. You know, are you downwind, for instance? Are you, you know, and, and, and having to make adjustments in the moment uh, to keep yourself relevant to the hunt. And, you know, these experiences have really shown me that, um, you know, if you were like this daily, um, there would really be very little time to consider um you know uh I, well i mean i just think it cha- it alters your perspective and it makes it so you're not considering um needing more feeling a void you know what i mean like it, it it gives you a real purpose and i think the tribal existence which is why i'm fascinated with antiquity um and the utilization of the old ways in a way to propel us into a future um, is that the, I believe that people had much more of a purpose. Yep. And I think, I think that, that, that experience of being in a small groups where we really, uh, where each person was valued and necessary, um, was something that we are also separated from now. Yep. You know, yep. that's I think that's why the hero's journey resonates with everybody so much, because if you're, you know, Frodo and the world's on your shoulders, everything matters. You know, you're you're completely in the present and meaning is, you know, everything is meaning, massive meaning about everything. And you're not worried about all the little trivial things. Well, it's also I, I, I think there's a lot of like. Um, <clears throat> emotional output into that those movies and stuff too. You know what I mean? People that are aren't showing any emotion in their day to day life, but they can get really into a movie. Or, you know, the, I think the better analogy is the sports teams, the people that. Uh, um, well, I'm thinking about the archetypal like hero heroes journey, not in the movies, but books. The story about yeah, yeah, you know, like here the the un, you know the. Uh, the fairy tale, like the retelling. Well, Cam- Campbell was brilliant, man. That in that he had the cross cultural references to oh, really man. isolate, to really isolate the archetypes. You know, he obviously was a Jungian, and he really understood um, these principles, and then how to go back and look at all the mythology and link it all together and really strip it down to its rawest form mm-hmm. and 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 show the the common thread that ran through it all and yeah i mean you're either the hero on your journey or somebody else is on your journey and that's that's not any good yeah. you know um i personally believe that every single person is important that's something that i believe now i mean you might only be important for a small amount of time <laughs> but you're but I do believe uh, that people are important and that there shouldn't we shouldn't be treated in the periphery. I mean, you know, um, I, I 
I tend to think more on a small scale and try to deal with just the people that I can impact and, and the local kind of movements. But it's awesome to be able to speak on a larger scale, too, and think about the potentials that we have, um, you know, as as be, being able to do things together. And I think it's like the being an individual is important, but you can be too much of an individual. Yeah. So I think yeah. there's the need to balance that out and find uh, the value of the the, the team group experience. Wow. Yeah. 100%. So I was thinking that last night. So Darren, when you when you were uh, when you were talking about the sports, did you mean like us playing on a team ourselves? No, or, like or people like that like get completely sports, divested like, in, cause, in cause, pro sport. Because last night I was playing hockey and I had a I had this thought. I was like, you know, there is a value. Even though I don't follow the pro sports thing anymore, there's a value to a team, like playing with a team and getting to know those guys and playing, you know, building your team, your teamwork, your strategy against that other team. Like there's a, I just had this real appreciation for that, that tribal or that team. Yeah, absolutely. For playing the sport. And I felt like that would be good for people. And I think that's what a lot of people are are like like, projecting in a pro sport. Yeah. They'd be better off going and joining a, yeah. team yeah. and they would get more out of it than trying to invest it all in in uh a third party but um hmm. that's a, i think most people would agree that with like the team situation the the feeling of angels descending upon your team you know what i mean is the ability to link up link link up and synchronize and play almost in this way that is, um, you know, it's 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 beyond language. You know what I mean? Like you just know they're going to be there. You've either drilled it enough to know, or there's this um, sort of improv, you know, improvisation that you you know you can just do what you got to do. It's the flow state, yeah. you know, which is directly connected to uh, your breath and your intention um, and your skill set essentially being able to just be pushed enough to really bring it out, to bring it through. And, you know, what I think that this connects into from an archetypical sense is the group mind experience that could occur, um, you know, and what I do believe, you know, any, any, well, the right group could experience it at any point in time now. At any point in time, it's always available to us, um, is the group-minded experience. Um, you know, mostly facilitated by some type of, you know, um, experience like, for instance, and I'll just, you know, utilize the or use the breathing as a metaphor – um, it's, it's the perfect one because the breathing, you can really feel when everybody's linked up and breathing together, you know, and when everybody brings their intent to that space, you're creating this space together. It's all with the breath and, you know, and it, it links people up into this, uh, what I consider a group mind. Um, I think, you know, uh, under the, um, um, you know, under the influence of certain things like 
uh, ayahuasca or um, other uh, sacraments like um, the the mushrooms or certain uh, psychedelics, you can also really achieve these states that that unify people in non kin, right, non blood, um, in this way that is so intimate that you know can only be really uh, it's very hard to talk about but i think it's something that can definitely be experienced where all of the boundaries are dissolved and you know we realize there's no separating the minds you know that the mind becomes something um much more non um local say local right yeah, I mean, I you know, I hate to to frame it in this way, but this is what I believe. Yeah. And so, you know, whether whether somebody disagrees with me or not, you know, it's fine. Um, you know, it's really hard to argue consciousness, but I do believe that you can have that direct experience, yeah. and I think it's repeatable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so, so in the you know in the sports team is like kind of like a metaphor for that to me at this point, man, where we're trying to achieve those states and honestly um you know i think it can be done in all kinds of different ways yeah yeah i agree so maybe we should talk a little bit about the breathing process itself and then and then also relate that to the cold and and you know maybe maybe we didn't do any cold yeah we didn't get to do any cold but i mean i've tried a little bit myself but i do have some questions about direct questions about how to handle the cold after doing that. Sure. Sure. I mean, well, the breathing process is very simple, you know, um, and it's online. Uh, Wim has a bunch of, um, you know, for the Wim Hof process, let's say it's very yeah. simple. Um, it's, it's out there. Uh, of course he has courses, uh, that go in more into depth, um, and really link things together. But the, the, the basic breathing process is, Breathing at a specific type of intensity, okay, we, we say that it's best to optimally breathe, which is in through the nose, out through the mouth. But Wim also says breathe how you can so that we can get a good deep breath. For some people, breathing in through the nose is, is difficult. So you, you want to get a full breath in and a partial breath out. So there's uh, some residual oxygen in the lungs. And the breath pace is, um, it needs to be intense enough to achieve the results, but it's something that we say shouldn't be forced. It, it, you have to play with the intensity a little bit, you know, realize that your first experience with it won't be the same as your hundredth experience with it, right? And the um, the idea is 30 breaths of at this uh, rhythm and cadence um, up to a breath hold. Um, the breath hold can be done in different ways, meaning either on the exhale or on the inhale for various uh, results. When <clears throat> you do the breath hold, we're trying to hold the breath as long as we can. Um, again, you have to be careful. There's always caveat, meaning that there's potential for passing out in certain things. And so we always want to be careful. I mean, we didn't really see anybody passing out uh, at our experience, right? You know, but it's because we sit everybody down or lie everybody down. And that's how you should always practice the method in that way. 
sit, seated or lying down. Don't do it in water. Don't do it on stairs. Don't do it driving your car, so forth. Um, but <clears throat> we do it to the breath hold. And the idea is that we're looking for the gasp reflex. And that is the moment of magic. It's pushing the breath hold to the point to where you need to take a breath in. And this is important to, to do this in what we call a dry breath hold, meaning on the land, um, because you don't want to have that experience like down deep in the water where you absolutely have to take a breath in. Right. right. So um, so we 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 push it to the gasp reflex. And this is where the magic occurs. And when we take that breath in, OK, we we hold the the, the initial uh, breath for a few seconds, like we say 15 seconds. Um, and we call that the recovery breath and that's one cycle. So 30 breaths, breath, hold recovery breath. And that's, that's in, in essence, the, the way that you do the Wim Hof, um, breathing. Now, what I think makes like an experience doing it something with me or, or with another instructor is, is that we're helping you achieve the correct uh intensity you know we're we're driving you towards um you know really emphasizing the breath in the right way making sure also that you're you're correct um that you're breathing properly because you know what we control in the breathing process is this exchange of pressure that's going on like there's this external pressure like 15 pounds or so of pressure outside uh of our body and so we take a breath in right? We're controlling the muscles and we're exchanging the pressure from internal to uh, external, right? So we take a breath in, let allow the pressure exchange and the same goes with the breath out. So each breath is this amazing connection to your environment and the fact that you have to have an environment, right? And so this it's, it's fascinating how it works. And, you know, breathing to me is like, it's, it's such a simple thing to train. It's almost too easy not to train it, but it's the lowest grabbing fruit on the, uh, you know, physiological training totem pole. Like if you just want to, you know, sit there and concentrate on your breathing, pretty much anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, 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 you know, it's something that's very impactful, like isolating the breathing, um, system and just exercising it, um, it, you know, can, can do everything from, uh, you know, burn calories. I mean, most people don't know, um, it, you know, when you're actually losing weight, you're it breathing comes it from out. Your breath. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And so, so like 88% yeah, so, of it or something, 88% of the weight you lost comes from your from breathing. From the carbon. Yeah. Exactly. So there you go. You so could Wim Hof some weight off, man. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's a, little, that's yeah. a better idea than just thinking about losing well, weight. You do both. So, uh, yeah, so, so is there amount of rounds that you do like that 30 breath round? Um, we were doing, I think, well, we were probably doing three or four or five rounds at a time. If I'm doing it at my own, at home on my own at home, like then I do like three rounds is like, is one round going to be beneficial as well? Or is there a minimum amount, like two or three rounds that, or does, you know, well, there's, yeah. I mean, look, you know, we have, um, we have a five minute sort of, uh, pick me up kind of experience with the Wim Hof thing that I think really does 
have a great uh, effect. Um, maybe not as good as doing the full, let's say, 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, 30 I would say yeah. really, really, we found that peak experience, especially within the studies, like if you look at the Wim Hof studies, that somewhere in between 20 and 30 minutes is really where we get that peak adrenaline experience okay, that yeah. we're looking for, for, um, you know, ultimately being able to um, affect our inflammation. Um, so, um, 25, 30 minutes is peak experience, but you know, I have stretched it a lot longer than that. Mm -hmm. Um, especially in relation to like feeling a sickness coming on and really utilizing the technique because it's, it, you know, with all this practice, um, you know, doing it, especially when I'm healthy and feel good, it, the time to use it is when you're feeling uh, run down in the sense that, you know, maybe sickness is coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, we would say dial up the breathing at that point and dial down the cold a bit. Yeah. You know, so, um, but the cold in, con you know, in conjunction with the breath offers this, it's sort of like putting an amplifier on the whole experience because the cold burns fat. Um, the cold um, is probably the single best way to produce endogenous cannabinoid in the system. So uh, for, you know, just exposing yourself to the cold, um, you know, ramps up, like I was saying, these, these pain relieving um, uh, uh, chemicals in the body. Um, and so that in connection with the breath, the breath doing uh, something that's very similar to that as well. So the breath also giving you these potentials, um, you know, ultimately with the cold, you have to have some control of the breathing. So what we're doing with the breathing is essentially by, you know, what we call over breathing, um, or power breathing, maybe we are, uh, lowering our CO2 and, the CO2 controls the uh, the trigger for or the breath response, the need to take a, a breath in. Right. So we, we get CO2 build up in the blood and then we we have to breathe in to lower the CO2. So by breathing fast in the way that we do focused on the inhale with a short exhale, we, we start to lower our CO2 way down into this deficit and it it essentially allows us when we go into the breath hold to create another deficit in O2. So our CO2 is way suppressed and that allows us to hold our breath for an extended period of time because we've tricked our body into not thinking it needs to breathe. Oh, okay. And this allows, this allows the O2 to drop down into a deficit zone that can be tracked. I mean, if you had like an O2 monitor on, you would see that your O2 is way down into this place that you would never go into because you'd be unconscious. And so we're way down just chilling in this uh, super low O2, uh, super low CO2, but then the CO2 starts to build back up and it hits that triggered response. And at that point, you're in this O2 deprivation. You have to breathe in because if you continue to really hold your breath there, you would just pass out so that your body would reset and you would take a breath. Mm. which is so think about like a, a swimmer who's swimming really hard right and they do like a kick flip on the on the wall and they push off the wall and they try to extend 
that um, underwater breath hole before they come back up into their stroke again, right? And in that space of basically hyperventilating when they're swimming to going into that kick off the wall, they black out sometimes. Wow. I mean, it, it happens infrequently. It's called shallow water blackout. It can occur in various ways, but that that particular thing right there, that kickflip off the wall, has killed uh, a number of swimmers over the years. Um, so, you know, the shallow water blackout is a real thing. And, you know, we're, we're very careful about that. Uh, speaking about that with the Wim Hof method, you know, you have to be really careful. The idea is when you get into cold water, we've practiced this, you know, this unique breath method, which it's like an internal yoga system. It's stretching your body all over the place so that when it comes back to the center point, the homeostasis, you're more resilient. So when pathogen or something comes to the system, your body is more resilient and, and isn't impacted in the same way. It's, it's really interesting how the breath can be so effective in, you know, toning the way that your body reacts to like a pathogen. Yeah. And so the cold, essentially, when you get in the cold, it hits you with an automatic breathing response. People start, you know, pulling air in and not breathing out, essentially. So it's kind of like what we're doing in simulation in our breath hold, except we're or in our breath work, except we're very controlled. This um, hyperventilation in the cold needs to be calmed. And so that's part of what I do in my workshops, right, is I, I talk people off that ledge. They feel the shock of the cold and we get them into a very calm state and we try to do this uh, quickly. And one of the best ways to do this, and it's really fascinating, is just reading each other's faces. And the face response is tremendous. And like this is a whole nother thing. We get into like the polyvagal theory and um, how polyvagal works in relation to uh, what we're doing because we're essentially toning the vagus nerve through all of our processes. So this is a whole nother aspect of the conversation. But the, the, the idea with the cold is that you're, you have this response and we get calm. And by getting calm, this will allow us to begin our, ex our extended um, connection to the experience, you know, so you get calm and then the fun begins essentially, because this is where we can really use the breath as a powerful, powerful tool to generate warmth. And so, you know, I'll wrap it up by saying this, the, uh, you know, you made a relation or you made a connection to like Tibetan monks. Right. And so there's a practice uh, called Tumo, which um, some people have tried to uh, connect the Wim Hof method to, which it's, it's really not. Um, the Tumo practice has particular meditations that we do not teach in the Wim Hof method. Um, I actually think the Wim Hof method is sort of like a little more raw, and it's like we've taken the governor off, so it's you can get right to the core of the stuff like fast. Yeah, and um, you know, what the, the Tumo practice, uh, spelt, uh, or with a G, Gatumo, um, the, this means inner fire. 
right? And uh, we actually call the Wim Hof method the inner fire practice as well. It's interesting because the the term tummy, I think, is related to the term tumo. And um, the inner fire um, is the primordial energy is known to be located in our center. So think of like Don the, Tian. the uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. Very wise, Graham. That's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say without the, but you, you made the reference. So the Dante end point, right. Is that, that center, that center point, like a few inches below the navel and inward a few inches. And when you have a direct experience with that feeling, which is a, a powerful warmth. It's very hard to deny it, and it gives a um, it gives a, a real unique perspective on practices uh, like qigong practices, yoga practices, these things that are about specifically cultivating that particular energy. Yeah. Wow. Did you notice uh, any difference in your fighting ability or technique when you adopted the method? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, specifically the breathing. Um, the cold is just great in general for repairing the body and, and you know, for, for work and, and, and not just the cold, but the heat as well. Um, but the cold offers its, you know, its unique uh, power and the heat offers its unique power. Both are great and training in the extremes in either way. Um, will offer it, like I was saying, like it's particular what they call heat shock proteins. And also, um, you know, I mean, there, there's like a panacea between the two. Training the extremes will ultimately train the vascularity in a way that is unique to it, meaning that it trains um, the smooth muscle around the vein. So when you're getting better blood flow, you can imagine, like, I just noticed in my fighting, like, I could. I, I just, I don't, it's, it's hard to totally put it into words, but I just felt that I, uh, wasn't getting tired, you know, like I just feel my, my energy level at my age and everything, you know, I felt, um, you know, 10 years younger and I felt, you know, this ability to really just be able to utilize my oxygen better which is tremendous, you know, and also I'll say this, um, in other functional things like running, um, you know, it just made all of those things much easier. Um, and then again, you know, recovery work with the cold, um, will give you, um, uh, you know, it, it's just so good for your bones, for your skin. That anti-inflammatory. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it removes inflammation, uh, right down to like removing chronic inflammation. Um, and, you know, but there are, and, and we're becoming smarter with it. There are really awesome protocols and ways to use it in relation to your training too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like how I might give it to somebody who's not a hardcore athlete, like how we would train the ice versus somebody who is really trying to um, get something specific out of their body, um, you know, the ice can work in different ways yeah, for like, different people. Like you wouldn't want to use it after lifting weights, like after powerlifting and stuff, would you? It would be more for after cardio kind of thing or? Yeah. I mean, it just depends, man. Like yeah. if you're doing hypertrophy work, right. Where you're trying to create muscle growth 
the pro-inflammatory effects, um, you know, could be beneficial to the muscle growth and reparation. So it might be better to um, hold off on the ice uh, just a little bit. It doesn't yeah, have to yeah, be for, yeah. for, for just a few hours um, to be safe yeah. uh, might be the way to handle it. Um, but if you're doing something like a conditioning style workout where even lifting, um, getting in the ice, even as a part of the workout is something that's really unique. And you don't always have to use the ice as something that is just like, let's say, trying to remove chronic inflammation. I might be getting ready to start a workout and want that adrenaline boost. So I'll get in the cold for just two or three minutes yeah. and just get myself nice and calm and then get out. And I feel like a Viking. I'm ready to attack whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. within my workout. So, you know, there's just, there, there's different ways to utilize it. So is the breathing, do you do the breathing then before you do an ice bath? Like if you're, if we were on a, like on a workshop or whatever, and you were, we were going to do ice baths together, uh, would you do the breathing beforehand as well? And then continue breathing, uh, in the, in the ice or, and then, so I have that question. And then the other question is like, do we do the I've ice baths together? Not like at the same time, but you know, we'd watch each other. I'm out. Come on. <laughs> we'd, uh. And then when you're in the bath, like you mentioned, you know how when you when you jump in the ice, and you're like, <gasps> you can't even catch that breath. So you're, the trick is to to breathe, to s slow your breathing down, I guess, Brandon and, and helps breathe you out that. all the way, all the way out. So I've always been saying on the show when and when I talk about like when I remember a couple of years ago when I was doing this and. Well, I think you're having like cold on, showers. Yeah, and like, but but I, but breathe, I can't even but do I'd that. Always be breathing through it. So. Is part of the trick to continue breathing when you're in the cold or to, to hold your breath again when you're in the cold? Well, those are all really good questions. I mean, with the, you know, so with my workshop, for instance, the way that I do it is I try to teach you components, individual components. And towards the um, and this will come like uh, with the breathing specifics, like first we, we go through, we we learn the the um, um, the physiology and anatomy that pertains to the, the method and, and the best way to to get a good breath in and, and, and how to utilize the diaphragm as a really powerful tool. And then we go into the breathing experience. Um, I, I tend to take people to, uh, um, depending on whether we're doing fundamentals or advanced work. Um, I try to take people as far as I think they can go, um, and give them a, a deep experience. Right. And, um, once we come out of the breath work, we we practice uh, or we have practiced some other tools that we can use to kind of um, do post ice training. So the ice experience with a lot of people, especially in the fundamentals, this might be the very first time they've ever gotten in, in any ice. So it's very difficult for me to like do, you know, real in depth ice training, which I think for the most part really is just about exposing yourself to it and becoming more and more comfortable. You can apply specific techniques in the cold, but I think that these are um, uh, things that you, you need to learn outside of the cold first. Okay. So in a workshop, you're, you're going to get all these components. If you're lucky, you might be able to start to get a sense of what it's like to put things together. 
But you, you, then the work's either up to you or to continue your training with an instructor, right? And so what I'm doing is I'm giving everybody these various components. We, we, um, we go into the cold. Um, I, I work with people to get them adapted in the cold. Um, I would say out of the, you know, I've worked with well over a thousand people putting them in to ice baths and, uh, in this particular style, in this experience. And, um, maybe I've had one or two people that either just didn't want to participate or, um, you know, in the moment or, uh, just couldn't handle it. So for the most part, I've seen every single person make it through the experience. Um, and the, you know, once we get everybody calm, we get out, then the meditation is really in play at that point because you're presented now with the stress of being cold. So what do you do to get warm? And what we try to do is now apply some breathing principles and uh, minimal, minimal movement um, and much more of an internal focus OK, um, but we do some things that, that help to create and generate um, uh, or I should say push the heat into particular zones of the body so that because, you know, your body is already creating the heat and it's without, you know, um, if you don't, it's going to happen regardless. But you're, you're trying to minimize the effect of the core heat mixing with the cold blood from the extremities so you have cold you know all your heat rushes to your core when you get into the cold and so now once you get out if you just kind of just say okay i'm done then you're going to have this mixing of cold and warm blood and that's going to you you know that can create what we call the after drop experience especially if the ice bath has been kind of extended if you get past that five minute mark working towards 10 minutes or so you're definitely going to experience an after drop which is basically going to be you're going to start shivering if you don't know um and shivering is just your body's way of trying to be you know get warm um but the organs are now experiencing this cold blood coming in so we do these particular exercises to try and keep the cold blood from mixing with the warm blood. And as you do this, especially over, uh, you know, a, a brief period of time, just working with the system, becoming familiar with the experience, you'll start to see how easy it is to suppress something like the shivers. Yeah. I would never say you, you're trying to force that in the beginning because it's better to actually experience the shivers and feel what your body is trying to do. And then you start to kind of Harlem shake your way through the stuff and feel how you can move the warmth from the extremities out toward, I mean, I'm sorry, from the core out towards the extremities. And you can feel things like your palms getting hot or the core, you know, the, the soles of your feet getting hot, your legs getting hot. And it's really fascinating, man. You'll experience thermogenesis by exposing yourself to cold in a way that you've never experienced that, you know, with your body trying to get warm or essentially it is getting warm. And so that it's that post ice training, especially initially, that really gives you the insights into what to do more when you get back into the cold, because then you'll you'll have a much better insight and, um, you know, a perspective and the breath holding, for instance, is a process in some ways to helping you extend your stay in the cold. 
but it's never something that I would tell somebody to force initially. Okay, this is okay, something yeah. that you really need yeah. to work into, work man, and, and have and an understanding yeah. of. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like going too far too fast. Because what I Take what I noticed is, is breathing through the shivers is is fairly easy once you notice you're getting, you know, you can't have that breath. If you force yourself to breathe through it, it, it it's almost a insulation to the cold right there. And then the shivers will stop and you, you, yeah. can, you can withstand yeah. it. And, and what's really awesome about it, man, is it's subjective. You know, everybody is not the same. Some people are extremely um, uh, resilient when it comes to the cold. They get right in and immediately it, they're just connected. You know, it's like you barely have to say a word. They're just they're smiling at you. Um, and that that again, that initial like I can look at somebody's eyes and their face and I can know where they're at in that experience completely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just completely. So as soon as I know where you're there and you're good, I just let you do your thing, especially within a, a fundamental workshop, you know, but there are some people who are looking at me like I oh, have help. thrown them <laughs> off of a building. You know what I mean? And, and like they're hanging on by their fingertips, just trying to figure out how, if they're going to make it or not, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, it, it, it does expose a lot of things to yourself. You know, we have a lot of connection to the cold, like through emotions or through fear or, or whatnot. But when you move through that and your uh, system resets, like I was talking about, you shift in that parasympathetic state, you're going to feel like a million bucks. And food is going to taste better than it's ever tasted. And, you know, to be honest, man, it's great for your hormones. It's great for things that, you know, that give us a better visceral experience like sex. It's great for men who have problems. It's great for, I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to fix everything, but it really, really ramps up the appetites for those things. And, uh, you know, and so I, you know, I, I always, just, you know, I, I see a commercial or something for some kind of thing and, you know, and it's laughable to me, man, because we have the potentials to tap into aspects of ourselves, um, and heal ourselves in ways and, you know, and, and ultimately for sure. Um, I mean, I think we could do as much as, as stop our own heart if we really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we we've seen mad potential, right? Yeah. So I I think, um, you know, there are just so many ways to fix yourself with with it, you know. But yeah. I do think that just like anything else, man, there's a fine art to the practice. You know, um, you you need you need to take your time with it. You know, you need to to realize that it's a cultivation experience. I mean, Wim didn't get all this stuff overnight. I mean, to be honest, he, he started training with the cold, I think when he was about 17 and he didn't really start setting his world records until he was in his late thirties, early forties. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, there's a time and, and he was a very accomplished yogi long before that yeah. and mountain climber and mountaineer. So, I mean, there was just bringing in, and I really believe this, like life is an, is integration, right? All of our experiences coming together. Um, he had an amazing presence of mind to recognize just this ability to tap into his breath and these extremes. 
Um, but that's there for us always, all the time. Like when you feel stress, it's really no bullshit to just take 10 deep breaths yeah. and see if you're still stressed out. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it, it, we have the potentials to really alter our perspectives um, just through our own concentration, you know, and some people don't want to hear that, but, um, you know, and would rather take a pill. But I just think that there's some real value into refining these arts that I consider to be innately human. Yeah, yeah. You know? I wanted to ask you more about the five-minute energizer. So is that – when I was asking you about, you know, the benefit of how many cycles. So is that five-minute one, let's just say, a, you know, a cycle of 30 and a, and a good two- or three-minute breath hold and that's like sort of a little pick-me-up or – Well, what we do is train uh, what we call – a hypertrophic, meaning oxygen deprivate, right? Yeah. Uh, hypertrophic exercise along with the breath hold. So when you go into the breath hold, what we specifically teach is um, to do push-ups with it. Okay, so you you do uh, let's say a round of the breathing uh, and and a breath hold with that particular round, right? So just like maybe a, consider it like a warm up round, though still push the breath hold, try to really extend the breath hold as long as you can, take um, uh, your recovery breath, hold that for a few seconds, let that go, then go into a second round, okay? Usually a full round with the breath hold and everything is, you know, it could be anywhere from, uh, uh, you know, just a little over a minute to, to a couple of minutes, depending on how long you really hold your breath. And so you come into that second round, you do your breathing, and when you go to your breath hold, try to hold your breath. Initially, it's really good uh, just for safety purposes and everything and to, to, to tap into that parasympathetic nervous system. Do it on the exhale, okay? But you can also do this on the inhale. The idea is, is that you, you take a, uh, um, you know, your final breath and you do as many push-ups as you can while holding your breath. And this, um, this, this does a, a, a bunch of stuff to your physiology, but you tap into an energy source that, uh, and a utilization of energy, meaning the way that your body is processing ATP, you're, you're going to do your push-ups and you're going to feel like you could do more push-ups than you've ever felt like you could do. It's really fascinating. So, especially on a single breath. So you're black. So the rapid, the <laughs> rapid, <laughs> the rapid breathing up to and Darren, you can do these off your knees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, you know, or look, you can do squats, you can do other things, but but you know, it's better not to just jump up after the rapid breathing because you might pass out. So the push-ups are like if you're laying down, you can just roll over and just crank out push-ups. This um, is kind of like swimming underwater, right? And so holding the breath and doing this really makes you seek out that gasp reflex. You could also just hold the plank if you needed to, um, you know, but if you're, if you wanted to do it that way, um, like if you, if you felt like you're dealing with shoulder injury or something, you, you could just hold that position, but it's, it's the stress of the external exercise along with the breath hold that forces you into that need for that big breath in. 
So essentially you just do the push-ups till you can either do no more push-ups or you need to take a breath. And then you take that big breath in, hold the breath, and that wraps up the five-minute workout. Well, that's kind of like so, when you smash your thumb with a hammer. Maybe you could do that. Yeah. Get Maria yeah. to like well, you smash know, you in the shin you know, with a boomstick. <laughs> right. But you know what's really interesting, man, right? You smash your thumb with a hammer. You don't just go, ah. <laughs> You don't breathe out and go, ah, oh, it feels great. Now you go, <gasps> and, and usually you curse because that's connected directly to our brain center uh, of pain relief, right? The cursing is connected right to pain relief. So when you, when you yell out some profanity, it's, it's because your body literally feels pain relief doing that. And so, you know, if you, you, you smash your hand, um, or let's say touch something hot, anything that causes you to recoil, the, the, uh, the initial reaction is for your body to go into fight and flight. But if you can, you know, relax your muscles, breathe out, it's that same, you're, apl- you're applying in the moment that cold training, right? I always say my test is traffic, man. I could smash my hand all day. You could punch me in the face and it still doesn't bother me as bad as traffic. So usually I use traffic as a way to, uh, to just practice my method. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. So, so uh, I do want to talk a little bit before we run out of time uh, because we want to get into some shamanism and stuff too. But, but the, uh, some of the science behind what, what women and you guys have done showing the benefits of this like there was that uh i know i remember one off the top of my head that i think it was a pathogen test where 12 people were were studied 12 people that were doing this breathing method were studied uh and 12 people that weren't doing it and so the ones they were all injected with pathogens i think and the only ones that uh that those pathogens took a effect were the ones that weren't doing the breathing like all 12 that were doing the breathing resisted completely so yeah, is, well, is there some of that and yeah, other ones you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I mean, yeah, I'll clean that up a little bit. But but essentially the if you ever want to know anything about the Wim Hof method, um go to the wimhofmethod.com site and all of the science is there so you can you can read everything um in a pretty organized fashion. What what essentially created uh the what is known as the Wim Hof method? Um, was what exactly what you were just talking about. Um, you know, initially it was him by himself um, taking on uh, w- w- what's known as an endotoxin, right? Okay. Um, which is like a, 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 the shell of a bacteria. Um, it's supposed to elicit a response um, in these particular studies that they were doing. They wanted to see how the endotoxin, um, and they, they'd studied uh, a ton of people prior to Wim um, also taking on this particular, going through these, um, these tests. And what Wim was able to demonstrate was that, you know, as utilizing his technique, he could suppress the inflammatory bodies um, substantially um, uh, in, you know, in comparison to um, everyone else right, <laughs> who right. had gone through this, this thing, you know, and let's say there have been a thousand people that had gone through it. Everybody had experienced um, these pretty much these marker effects, like you're going to have 
fever and nausea and so forth, you know, going through this and and then at studying their bot their their blood, you could see these particular um, you know, the inflama- inflammatory bodies, protein cytokines um ramping up in the blood. And Wim was able to suppress that to uh, a very noticeable uh perspective. Essentially just get what the body needed instead of the overreaction of the body, which is what occurs in when, when we just allow our body to, to do its own thing, you know? So the Wim Hof method being that it sort of tones the, the reactionary uh, aspects of the body. And by toning it, we don't, we, we, we get more of what we need and less of what we don't need. (laughs) And so you know, what Wim did to make it actual science, to get it published, to for it to become a method was, yeah, we had a control group versus, uh, 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 you know, uh, a, a group that didn't have the, um, um, you know, that didn't utilize the method. So it was 12 people that uh, Wim trained for their first time. These people were not experienced practitioners of the method. They were people that were newbies. They came in and they did four days of training with him and four days on their own. Then they came back to the laboratory and were able to display a very similar, um, uh, you know, thing that Wim was able to do. I mean, they they basically showed the same. Um, they what they showed was that their adrenaline ramped up immediately when they had the injections of the endotoxin. So their, their adrenaline was way up uh, and that uh, suppressed, okay, the, the uh, inflammatory bodies. And essentially uh, cortisol levels and adrenaline came up and the adrenaline levels of the other group, the untrained group, their adrenaline stayed down low initially. Eventually it came up a little bit and the cortisol levels came up, but our, our adrenaline levels and cortisol levels came up, spiked, and then went back down and were basically at a normal space in the the, the inflammation was suppressed at that point. And whereas the control group, um, the adrenaline came up later uh, on its own, right? We Because we're essentially creating adrenaline in the system through our method. And so their adrenaline came up a little bit, but then um, they, they ex- had extended cortisol uh, within the system. So, so our cortisol and their cortisol both came up, but ours went right down. Theirs stayed uh, up within the system, and they, of course, experienced the whole um, gambit of effects from the uh, endotoxin. Huh. So, so um, you know that became published science at that point. Uh, it went into Nature magazine. Um, you know, it, it's been in. It's been. Um, put into school textbooks in certain places, um, you know, that we have the ability to influence our autonomic nervous system. Wow. Yep. Obviously. Yeah. There'll be a link to all that stuff in the show notes as well. There's a whole page on the scientific research. So that's great. What are you guys after now? Are you guys working on like any, are you guys chasing down any new science right now? 
Oh man, always, you know, I mean, Wim's big thing is no speculation, right? So he's not going to put out there um, uh, too much there. I will say, um, and I was fortunate enough to get to uh, be in this event with him or take part in this event with him. Um, he just received a, a large um, donation um, made by an organization that essentially um, uh, is allowing us to go into a two-year study in San Francisco um, on mental health using specifically the Wim Hof method as the tool wow. to try and, you know, get, yeah. So it was like a million and a half about around about a million and a half um, that was given to this study. And that's being, uh, so that's going on right now. Um, I, you know, is that like yeah, PTSD really cool, stuff or PTSD is by far the, I would say one of the biggest, um, sort of things that people remark about uh, in, in relation to the Wim Hof method, as far as like when people say these are the results that they, you know, got from the method, we hear so much about PTSD. Um, I have been uh, able to work with the inner fire team um, to teach the teachers for the last couple of years. So I was a part of the very first international instructors uh, group that came about. Um, and, and then the subsequent years I've gone back to help teach the, the, the new instructors coming through. And, uh, we've had a few years of that going out and every year, man, I meet the, I meet some amazing people, uh, people, you know, all kinds of people, um, that, that have become Wim Hof instructors. I mean, mind blowing, like who's, who's come out to these events and, one thing that we see a lot of are guys who who have experienced uh, different types of trauma. A lot of times, you know, you get these kind of, uh, I don't know, um, these alpha kind of people, you know, just real gung-ho people who are really all in. But, you know, last year, for instance, we had um, a couple of combat vets. Um, that had seen some real hardcore action. I've seen that in my workshops, just people who are, who have come to attend more than I, I can remark on, man, combat vets specifically. These are people who are willing to do the work, but have gone through some shit. Hmm. And um, so I have dealt with that. But in this last group, we had two Navy SEALs um, and probably like, uh, four or five guys that were, you know, combat Marines. Um, and so it's interesting cause we see that. And I, th this last year was more so it was two Navy SEALs that actually, uh, served together and came to the thing independently of each other, but were both went through their training together. It was really fascinating, man. Two guys that showed up, um, and were, were, you know, had been longtime friends of the, in the SEALs, but did this independently of each other. <laughs> Wim, Wim, Wim has also worked a good bit with uh, like the Navy SEALs and, and um, you know, uh, other special operation units, um, you know, people dealing with uh, these, these high you know, forms of stress, basically involuntary stress, you know, where your body takes over and creates a 
particular breeding pattern that you're no longer in control of. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I might've lost track of where we were going with that, but I, I, um, you know, but I have seen, you know, some really interesting people come through and, and in that way, the PTSD, yes, we're talking about the PTSD, um, has been something that people have, uh, you know, have spoken about quite a bit. And again, with me, I mean, that was something that I saw an immediate when, when I went through it, I really became an ultimate believer, right. you know, and the, the thing is, um, you know, just a little bit more my story. When I was young, um, I was five. Uh, I was in um, uh, uh, the hospital room with my father when he went into a, a stroke and passed away, oh. um, you know, and, um, you know, I've made my peace with things uh, through life. But, you know, it was definitely something that set the pace for my young life. Um, you know, my mom had uh, two two boys to now raise on her own for a period of time. Um, and it just was, you know, it was a, it was a life change and, um, it was a complication with a surgery that caused a blood clot that went to his heart oh. and, and, and he lost, um, you know, he basically went into a massive like cardiac attack and, and went into a stroke. And so, um, you know, PTSD for sure is a real thing, man. And I've dealt with a lot of trauma through my life. And I've, and I, I know it's, I, I know it's a, it's this real thing where we get like locked into these loops. And again, I think it's so connected with our nervous system that when we can break those, um, those loops and those cycles, um, you know, we get this sort of perspective, even if you get pulled back in, cause that can for sure happen. You, you get this glimpse of, man, I don't have to be here. And if you just keep doing the work, it can really release it. And I think that's what a lot of these people who, who like I said, are willing to do the work go through and find like, man, I can really affect my own depression, my own anxiety, you know, and that is so connected to the PTSD. Yeah, there's some other other things like psilocybin and stuff we were talking about a little bit that are coming coming around MDMA. for that as well for the PTSD. Like a lot of good. When are you gonna climb Everest in your shorts? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know if you've seen all these. Uh, you know, the Everest thing has become like this um, mainstream attraction where people are dying waiting in line to summit. Seriously, really? Yeah. So yeah, man, you should check it out. Um, you know, and they just I cleaned up the mountain and it was something like 20,000 fucking pounds of trash they collected and like four dead bodies. No way. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's terrible, man. It's terrible. And, and, you know, I have, um, I have definitely climbed some big hills. Um, I've done a few with Wim. Um, we, we have, um, uh, one coming up this year, um, where we're going to be out in, in Washington state climbing a volcano again. Um, you know, and I've been up high, I've been up, you know, over 14,000 feet. And, you know, when you get into those spaces, you, again, you're pushed into a place where your breath is just like your LinkedIn, you and your breath and it becomes so important. Like each step, each breath is just really concentrated on. And so, you know, you can understand like, and Wim is a, he's a beast on those Hills, man. It's, it's, uh, 
even as kids, they're just something about those hoffs. They can climb a mountain and they, um, you know, but it's this, this, it, there's like a joy to it too, which is really fascinating. And this really gets into what I think is like the core, um, in principle to the Wim Hof method or to shamanism, to who, to just about anything. And I think I've, Darren and I actually had a conversation about this when we were, I don't know if you remember when we were up uh, in Colorado. And I really think that the, uh, the essence to it is, is love, you know, and that's a, a tricky word to use um, because it's more about this, this open heartedness and this, this feeling of connection through the heart to the things that you're doing. You know, um, I do believe will and intention are extremely important. I'm not so much intent or will over love, but I think it's the the linking of the two together that caused this ability to drive into these things with a fearlessness. And, you know, that's that is, um, you know, what I think drives somebody to summit an Everest or, you know, whatever. I mean, if it's just an athletic adventure, I think you're missing a, a huge part of it. I think the spiritual essence of it is is so necessary. And so, yeah, I'm looking for my thing. I don't know that my thing is, is definitely, um, is climbing the mountains to, to prove this method, but I do, and I am at work with certain things. Um, one thing that I am fascinated with is the, the plant teachers and the ability to create, uh, a powerful space you utilizing those things, but integrating that with, you know, the, re, the breath work, um, and the, the cold concentration, and the cold and hot maybe, or I don't think those things are necessary in the moment, maybe post post, uh, experience. <laughs> let's all jump in the hot tub. Yeah. But, yeah. um, but yeah. <laughs> well, I was but, thinking more like no, a I Nordic, think... Nordic spa environment where there's the, you know, thermal cycles and the, you can go hot and cold, hot and cold on a little bit of psilocybin or something and really extend Well, I, you know, man, I think, yes, that's, that's a, gr that could be a great thing. Um, I wouldn't, I would never say no, but I would say that, that I believe that the plant teachers also allow us um, this ability to create a refined work, you know, around. Um, I, I don't think I, I think that, you know, ceremony and and um, ritual and these things that have, you know, been more or less. I don't know if it, it, it evolved or uncovered. I don't know what the right way to frame it is, but these things that have definitely appeared cross-culturally, you know, um, you know, having reverence for the medicines, uh, you know, um, you know, treating them with respect, because I do think there are potentials for danger there too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I think in the, in the current psychedelic, uh, world, we hear all of this, you know, this, um, and because it's probably because there's been so much bad talk about it over the years, but all we hear is all the good things that it's going to do for people. But I do think there are real trappings and danger within this type of, of spiritual work. 
Um, and so I think that without humility, without reverence, without um, some type of code, um, that I think that you can lose sight of what it is that you're actually trying to accomplish. And, you know, I think there's a call to arms with these experiences that brings certain uh, energies, you know, right up to the surface. And, you know, you know, I've, I've seen people go in various ways, you know, and I think that 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 comes down to not really developing the art of actually, you know, of shamanism of, of and shamanism is a weird term too, because it's, you know, it can mean a lot of things to different people. But really, what I'm what I'm saying is that ultimately, being a person who works with these um, uh, particular um, spaces, uh, I do think that there is a way to create repeatable sort of delivered experience to either a group, you know, of people or to an individual through the right uh, approaches. And it, it, it's far, I, I would never try to um, imply that I know the right ways to do this in, in for somebody else. But I will say that I do believe that each person can sort of come to these conclusions in a way that we would find are very unique and quintessential to them. In other words, we would find that we're doing the same shit hmm. if we were really focused on it, because I think there are only certain ways to get these experiences truly off the ground. Um, one of the big things, and you, you guys experienced it a little bit with me there, is is singing. I think singing is a great way to connect in, but I think on the level that I'm talking about of being in an experience where you're, you know, you're locked in, man. You're going from A to B, and there's no stop in the train. You know, um, I think it's sort of like the the um, the sailors who had to commit to the song as they're rowing across the ocean because it really helps helps to get you there, tethers you to the experience. You know, and at the right dose <laughs> and the um, you know, the like really bringing the experience through the singing, I believe, is so crucial to guiding. And what I think you will find in those experiences is um, a, a synchronicity that only can be uh, experienced. And so I think that this is like the essence and the core of shamanism. I think you can really achieve some stuff without plant medicines. Mm -hmm. I just think that the plant medicines facilitate an experience where you can at least, um, like the great bard Terrence McKenna said, you can know you took some shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if I if I woke up tripping, I would think there would be a big problem. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 way better to know that you're working with something. And in regard, just like food or, or, or anything else, you know, there, there's something that you can gain from it. And I believe that these experiences when treated properly are the most transformative things that we as human beings can potentially go through, huh. you know, I might and add so, a bit of placebo so, too, right? Just knowing you took I'm some sorry, shit. I, I missed it. 
Well, it could add a bit of placebo. Well, but what is the placebo, man? Yeah, exactly. Well, just taking a bit of mushrooms and then you're like, well, now you've opened up that some, some walls are going to come down. So, yeah. And some people are not ready for that. And, 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 but I will say as far as the placebo, the placebo is essentially mind manifesting. And it is to me, the placebo is like really powerful because if it works, it works, you know, and that means our minds did it. And so I think that there are ways um, to like, I'm, I'm a big believer that integration is extremely important. So if you get an insight from maybe uh, some type of, of profound experience, I think it's really important to integrate it because if you don't use it, then it doesn't mean anything. And I think that ultimate bliss is being able to do the things that we think and really do them, you know, especially if it's the, if it's in this positive way that's bringing you something, um, you know, and, and I, I think that it's important in this regard to be kind of selfish and, you know, in, in, in order to focus, you know, on yourself. Um, but I think that the integration is so important, man. Like, I think you, you have to, you have to learn from these things, you know, and it, it, you know, some people maybe have one experience and that's all they ever need in life, you know, but for me, it's like, like I said, it's this fine art. It's like, I need it more than once. I need the thing that um, is a reminder. And, and that's where all art, it, it, what, what all art is to me. It's like, if I never thought I was going to get better at something, I don't know that I would commit myself to doing it. So, you know, with jujitsu, I, I only ever saw that I was going to one day be a black belt. That was all I ever saw. And that's why I became that. And, you know, I think it's like this with any of these types of things. It's like you, you want to get better. You know, at least I do. And I think that that that's what is leading me. It's what keeps me humble, too, and, and realizing, like, I don't know much. But what I'm trying to know, I think, is a deeper aspect of myself in regards to all of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there you have it. Yeah. Well awesome. said. Yeah. Well said. Well, the time flew by, of course, and uh, an hour and a half later. Fantastic. Where can our listeners track you down, Brandon? Do you have a website? I know you're on Twitter, right? Um, well, man, I, I'm barely on Twitter right now. Um, to be honest, like I'm having to embrace all of the social stuff. It's a little bit difficult for me because I'm, I, you know, I just, you know how it is. Take it Social slow. media. Take it slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right, right now, right now I do have uh, my Instagram page, which anybody can, can get on and we're always putting stuff out there. I'm on Facebook and so forth. Um, the and and yeah, send me friend requests. Uh, it'd be great to to meet everybody um, through those things. I have a website that's coming out. Um, it will be done before the end of the summer. It's going to be inclusive of my music. It'll be inclusive of um, some various training regiments and protocols and different things. Um, I do traveling seminars, and so if you follow me on Facebook. Um, 
you, you know, we're always putting out where we're going. We're going to be right now. I live in the South. Um, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, but we're going to be traveling around the South a little bit through the summer. I'm, I'm in Charleston um, uh, in the next uh, month or so, putting on a, a workshop down there. And then I'll be out West a bunch. Um, you know, so there's the workshops are always popping up. We have them just about, um, you know, every, every month or so there's, a uh, another workshop popping up. So if you, if you guys are interested in, uh, that, you know, follow me on Facebook and, and you'll find everything there. Awesome. Man. And I, I, I'll put a link uh, for your Wim, Wim Hof method.com instructors page as well in there. Yeah, that's great. And let us know when you're going to Washington, cause that's not too far from us. So. Awesome guys. I look forward to it, man. It was great to, to meet you guys. Uh, it was really great. The event you put on and, you know, bringing these things together, I think is, um, you know, that's, you, you have some great insight into, and, and, and a vision. So I love it. Yeah, right on, yeah, man. Well, some time, t- yeah. hopefully we haven't seen the last of each other. Maybe we'll see each other in April. Yes, sir. That would be great. All right, Brandon. Thanks, Thanks for coming on the show. Come back anytime, brother. Text me anytime. We'll, we'll uh, let's chat here in the next couple of days and uh, and uh, talk about what we were talking about before. Okay, sounds good, man. Okay, bro. See you, buddy. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that was our chat with Brandon Powell. What did you think, buddy? That was great. Are you glad? So you're glad we waited till after instead yeah, of doing yeah, totally, it before? Yeah, totally. It was good to experience it and then ask him questions about it. Absolutely. I've been inspired. I've been doing the breathing a little bit more. It's sort of a good premeditative thing to do. Like you do it in I'm your car. A normal. Amount. I did it the work? first time. That's when I was driving out to Saskatchewan when I first tried it, and I was just all like, just jacked and dizzy, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like one forty. <140. laughs> jacked and dizzy. Yeah. Graham's driving around jacked and dizzy. Watch out! Is that an impaired? I'm just breathing off, sir. You're I'm just breathing off. Yeah. He's like, you're going a little fast. I'm like, I don't think I was. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, motherfucker. Right on. Well, big thanks to Brandon for coming on the show. Uh, big thanks to you guys for listening. Big thanks to, big extra thanks to those of you who take the time to support the show over at America.ca slash support. Uh, you are our only source of revenue. And, uh, the other thing I want to mention, too, is I think we have some audio that I think Adam's going to try and clean it up a little bit from the uh, conference where Brandon was leading us through with the drumming and the... Oh, yeah, we'll uh, put that in the black... Fully in and out. We'll fully put that in, in the black budget. Belly, chest, and head. Fully yeah. in. That was really good. So. Other good reason to support the show. You yeah, get the, yeah, black we'll budget, the black budget. And we'll, yeah. we're going to put uh, Brandon's stuff in the black budget there for our supporters. I hope he's okay with that. He should yeah, be. Yeah. He'll be okay. It's just a black budget. There's only like six people listening to that shit. Uh... We won't do the other thing we talked about in the black budget. Well, we might yet. We'll see. Anyway, support the show, guys. We couldn't do it without you. We can't do it without you. And uh, we won't be able to keep doing it if we don't find some more. Yeah, grandamerica.ca slash support uh, really does make a difference. And we can't do it uh, without you guys. So maybe this week's the week to hit that support page. Sign up for monthly. Even if it's a buck a month, at least you got your foot in the door. You can always bump it up later. And do all the other stuff in the show notes, review the show, share the show, sign up for the newsletter, uh, all that fantastic stuff. Join the chats and have some good vibes for your weekend. All right, guys. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week.
drop in the bucket, baby. You're just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby. You're just a drop in the bucket, baby. Just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby. Talk to be my best friend There's 